Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for joining us from the DeMarie Demo House podcast nook here at BA World Headquarters in Durham, North Carolina. When it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right and visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. If you haven't gone to the demo house yet, what are you waiting for? Come on, it's May already. Buy your bat. Summer's coming up. Go play a little softball or baseball this summer. I mean, get off your duff and, and stop listening to podcasts and get out of the house, Aaron. I like the extended pitch for the demo house today. That's good. I like the demo house. I believe in it, and I appreciate them sponsoring Baseball America's podcast. Aaron, uh, one of the most uneventful top 25 ranking meetings of the year, which is a good thing. Very nice. A uh, little chalk. Couple, I think it also helps when uh, teams one and three don't play on the weekend. You're right. uh, that helps. We're reluctant to move teams one and three if they win their midweek game and then don't play on the weekend. I think we would have been ready if Texas had had a 24-game win streak. Yes, I think but we would have done it. But the Longhorns did not sweep Kansas State. So kudos to Kansas State. Real quick, I mean, we'll get to this obviously in the stock report later this week on BaseballAmerica.com. Does winning one game, how, in your experience, not necessarily, not necessarily specific to K-State, how much can one win help K-State when they don't win the series? Can that really help K-State um, get to a regional? Uh, is that enough for a team like Kansas State that's really a, a bubble team? You know, it, it certainly it does help amazingly. I mean, I, you know, you and I believe in the value of winning weekend series, but I think that the the committee uh, does not feel as strongly about that. Uh, example one: Oklahoma State last year. I mean, that's all right. you need to know. I think when you, I think they just look when you're when, look, when you're looking at data, like in, right. in the form of an RPI, every game is treated equally, which yep. it shouldn't be, but they do. And, and Kansas State, I'm looking right now, is seven and six against the RPI top fifty, and seven and four against the top one hundred. So. Um, the committee's going to look at those numbers, and they're they're going to give Kansas State a chance. And you know they are what third place in the in the big fourth place in the Big Twelve right now. Yeah, but it's very it's a very cluster. Yeah. At, uh, they're basically tied with Oklahoma for third. And uh, they're basically tied with Kansas State for Texas Tech for second. They're a half game back, but they're right, tied in the loss right. column. So I mean, it you know it depends what they're you know what they'll do down the stretch. Um, and, and their their schedule is backloaded. We've been talking about this all year. Well, they still have um, their big uh, Sunflower State rivalry. With Kansas, right, which is obviously a huge series. Which I love teams. that they, I love that they do it like Baylor, A and M, and Texas yeah. style with one here and two there. Now I think that's a new, I believe that's new to the rivalry. I don't believe they used to always do that. I'm not so sure. kudos to them for doing that. But then of course at Texas A and M the final weekend, and that I mean I believe in A and M's talent. I think A and M's a pretty good club that's going to finish strong. So I, I think uh, I think it's it's still you know Kansas State's not in the clear yet. That's for sure. They're number forty three in the RPI right now. Um, they got some work to do. The Big 12, let's talk about the Big 12 real quick, Aaron, because sure. we're on the subject. Uh, A&M still has at Oklahoma State and Kansas State. This conference, let's face it, each of the last two years has got an extra team in it didn't deserve. That's just the bottom line. And, and you can make a case last year they had two teams in they didn't deserve. Cause, yes, you can. I, mean, I think Baylor had, was a more defensible choice than Oklahoma State, but I still don't think Baylor deserved to be in either. Right. So now you have Texas, obviously. They're a one, they're a host, yada, yada. There's no other team other than maybe Oklahoma that's for sure in. Is that correct in the Big 12? Like, for sure, 100% yeah, lead right. pipe lock. I think you're right. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma, that's it. And Texas, A&M, uh, Texas Tech, rather, is second place in the league. There's still just four games over 500 overall. But they have won, what, five straight series now? Four, four or five straight weekend series. I mean, Texas Tech is coming on strong, but they do need to pad that record a little bit more. They're not safe yet. And then, so that's, that is a... 
in itself a very unusual situation. That you really only have two locks, and yet for the, the league tournament. will probably get five, or maybe six. six. Correct. That's that's where I was headed. Is that you only have two locks, but you're probably going to get a pretty good representation from the Big Twelve because there's just not enough other teams right. from other conferences to use the overused cliche stepping up. Yep. But isn't that fair? I mean, that, yeah, that's it's a absolutely fair, fair. Doing the numbers, John, it's really hard to get to 64 teams without yeah. at least five Big Twelve teams because. Conference USA especially still looks like a one-bid league, although Southern Miss is coming on strong, and I think Southern Miss is going to be in the discussion. That said, they're still number 60 in the RPI, and that's not, that's not at large range yet. You're not safe, for sure. You're getting on the edge of, you're getting of the, discussion. the discussion. You know, last week, that league looked like a, a sure number one-bid one league. Now, okay, Southern Miss is back in the discussion. They've gotten hot. They've won 11 in a row. Um, you know, they just swept East Carolina. They swept Tulane last week. I think talent-wise, those are the two teams other than Rice that are the most talented in this league. Right. Other than Rice and Southern Miss. I think we can uh, read last rights to the Pirates. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that that season did not work out the way that the Pirate Nation thought it would. But uh, Southern Miss, another preseason top 25 team. We had three Conference USA teams in our preseason top 25. Yeah. I think we thought that there was a chance of a fourth. Bid from this yeah, league. Yeah, Tulane. I think I right. think we had Tulane in in the preseason. I think we did, knowing they were very young, knowing that the team's best best uh, is really ahead of them. Yeah. But Tulane hasn't quite lived up to it. You have Memphis and Marshall, kind of upstarty team, but they're not regional contenders. No, they don't have RPIs that are even close. Southern Miss, though. Let's talk about Southern Miss and Rice. Yeah. We had this question in our in our rankings meeting today. Have Southern Miss and Rice turned their season around because they're playing better? Have they turned their season around because they're playing in Conference USA? and they're playing other lesser clubs. What's your feeling on that? There's no question that both those teams are playing better than they were in the first half, and Southern Miss especially has, you know, we thought they'd be a pretty offensive team. Uh, they've got a pretty good nucleus of, of veteran guys in the middle who've mostly performed, right. you know, B.A. Volmuth being the, the headliner. Um, and they've got a good ace in, in Todd McGinnis, who's been pretty solid. And I think got a good a, closer in Colin Cargill. He's a weekend starter for any team in the country, yeah. and he's probably a Friday-slash-Saturday guy for most clubs. Maybe, maybe, maybe UCLA and Texas. There's a couple re- weekend rotations he probably doesn't break into, yeah. but 99% of the of the Division One, right? Division One, Tom McKinnis is a Friday or Saturday guy. Yep. he's right in that conversation with you. He's very competitive, here's, very tough. Here's a silly, stupid inside joke question: Was he Friday starter for Clemson or is he Saturday? Oh, guy? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we he's a Friday guy for Clemson, John. I think he is. I think he's a, a hair better than Casey Harmon. <laughs> so uh, that's that. How about that? We agree on that one. That's a good Unbelievable. one. Unbelievable. But um, but yeah, I, I, to me, it seems like Southern Miss. Aaron is in route to a regional bid here. Yeah, if they I kind of think you're right. But, if but they can finish strong. But here's where it gets tricky: is they've got they play, Rice this week. That's it. That's the key. They have to win that series against Rice, or at least not get swept. Yeah. And then if they win that series, or if they if they win at least a game in that series. And they probably have to finish up with a sweep against Memphis and and win a midweeker against Mid uh, Mississippi State. I I don't I don't know that they're a lock for a regional for sure. They're they're clearly not a lock, like you said, with a 60 RPI. But I think if they finish four and two, five and one in the league, I think they get to 15, 16 wins in conference. They probably they probably they're going to get, get in because there's just so many bids available. They absolutely cannot get swept by Rice, and you know they really to feel safe. I think they do need to win that series. Um, I think you're right. And to feel safe. I think they win that series, and if they win each of their last two series with the way they're finishing this 11-game win streak, I think they're going to get it. I think you're right. And, and I do think that Rice is the better team, and I think Rice probably will win that series. But I would not be shocked at all if Southern Miss went in there and won that series because Southern Miss you know, has proven you know, that they finished strong. They've done it 
seems like every year they did it. Right. Obviously, they did it last year. Right. Um, it's an experienced team with Omaha, you know, experience, and, and, and they're pretty talented. They can swing the bats, and, and Rice doesn't pitch particularly well. I mean, I could, I could envision a high-scoring series there. Um, has, has Rice, and we, t- we, we touched on Rice, we expected they would pitch better toward the end of the season and as Mike have. Ojala got healthy yep. and as these guys. Uh, there were some newcomers, uh, Boogie, I know, yep. uh, Singrani, the left-hander. Yeah, he's um, pretty much. Right, he's pretty much buried in, the, yeah. in their, uh, yeah, he's, he, he hasn't really pitched in a long time. They never straightened out Matt Evers, who we thought would need yeah. to be a key part of this. He can't throw strikes. He can't th- throw you strikes. Throw strikes if you're <laughs> exactly. Paper Graham. exactly. But um, but they seem like they found some other answers there. Yeah. Is this? I mean, is this? Just, is is Rice? They've straightened things out enough to go to a regional. That they have a shot to host. You think? That they yeah, have I think so. I mean, okay. you know, we're looking at their, their weekend rotation, John. I mean. All of a sudden, it looks pretty solid. I mean, Taylor Wall has, has put together a decent year. I mean, he's he's been legit. He's pretty good. And and you know, having Ojala back again, that gives you that veteran guy. And and Jared Rogers, another senior who's actually pitched very well lately. That's three pretty solid guys who are going to compete and give you a chance to win uh, on weekends. And and now they've got Tyler Duffy kind of emerging in the bullpen, a freshman who, who can run up there to about 94 miles an hour. Um, he's their new, I think, their Moment go-to guy, guy back there. So I think their pitching is is good enough. Um, I still think they're going to be dangerous in the postseason. Um, you know, they, it's one of those teams that you could see getting hot and, and making it one of those surprise Omaha runs out of pride, like you know Fullerton did a couple of years ago when their talent nice. was down. Nice, the 2007 Titans. Yeah, well, a, a fond memories of the 2007 Titans that uh, caused us. They were so bad that year. Caused <laughs> the next year. <laughs> they're not. Old Dominion's way better than those. Yeah, well, not. Exactly. We, I don't think we thought they were way better, but two out of three, we thought Old Dominion, Dexter Carter. Big leaguer Dan Hudson and, and Anthony uh, Schaller. Anthony Schaller, exactly. That didn't, I wish work, I was that didn't a work out bit, so well. <laughs> I wish I was a little bit Schaller. I wish I was a baller. Oh, no. <laughs> I can't believe I just went there. Uh, I went there. Uh, the podcast has clearly gone off the over, rails here. Over-caffeinated John Manuel this morning. I think I'm just properly caffeinated. But it's the Baseball America podcast. Uh, Aaron, uh, stick it with the t- about kind of the top 25, uh, I'd say, stock report theme. A little tumult in the top 25, in the top 10. The only tumult was really South Carolina. They lost their first SEC series. Let's touch on the touch on the Southeastern Conference because now we have the specter of Kentucky, mm. a team with a good RPI that has finally won a conference series. Um, I don't I don't think Kentucky's in the conversation yet to get a regional. I think they're every year there's an ACC or SEC team with a gaudy RPI that doesn't get in the tournament because they finished tenth or eighth right. or something like that in the conference. But right now you do have uh, you had Alabama lose a series this weekend. Their league record is only ten and fourteen. I believe right now they're on the outside looking in for Berm, for uh, Hoover for the SEC tournament. Does Alabama? How secure is Alabama? Or what are their chances of being? I mean, I think if they were the if the season ended right now, are they the ninth team SEC yeah, I bid? Think so. Does Kentucky have a chance to pass them? What's your take yeah, on those two teams? It's pretty. I mean, it's it's pretty open. It's amazing that Tennessee all of a sudden has moved itself probably ahead of both of those teams. How about Cody Wrath of Hahn with eight RBIs, I believe it was yesterday, to help Tennessee. And let's just. Uh, I guess we're kicking them when they're down. Maybe that's not nice. But Georgia, three and nineteen in the league. I believe the Friday score was twenty-five to five. They rallied Brutal. Sunday. It just it is it is unbelievable to see where Georgia's gone in two years. Obviously, they've lost a lot of talent. You don't have Gordon Beckham and Rich Poitras in the middle of that lineup anymore. But that's still a talented club, and it is just stunning to see them at 13 and 33. You just don't expect the total implosion like they've had. But they've uh, that that's that's the worst 
uh, implosion I've, I can remember seeing from a club. Yeah. A preseason top 25 team that's clearly talented, all kinds of power arms, and they're a brutal, brutal club right now. And basically every SEC team wishes they could play Georgia, and Kentucky still gets to. They finish right. the season true. at Georgia. A couple of things to think about. First of all, Tennessee is ahead of those two teams in the standings, but Tennessee is 45th in the RPI, whereas Alabama's 20, Kentucky's 25. That does matter. I think it matters. The does look at it. Secondly, you know, look at – I think Alabama's strongest case is, is that it's been uh, pretty good, you know, against the, the top 100 teams in the RPI. They're uh, Alabama 15 – yeah, Alabama 15 and 17 against the top 100. Uh, Kentucky is 14 and 20. Um, and, uh, you know, Tennessee is 12 and 17. So that's one thing that I think goes in Alabama's favor a little bit. I think you have a really uh, crucial, I mean, that you can't overstate that, I think the importance of the series for Kentucky and LSU. LSU is reeling. Um, if they were in Virginia, they'd be doing the Virginia reel. I don't know what you do in, in LSU. But the Tigers are reeling, and it's, all, it's, it's close to free falls. Is it four straight series losses? Three straight, Three straight series, losses. series losses. Two of them were sweeps. Yep. And then this weekend, they win a, the, the game they win, they win 16-15 on a Friday night where, again, Anthony Renato gets hammered, um, and not in a good way. So uh, LSU, they're not, it's not like they're going to lose a chance to get in the tournament here. They're still a tournament team. Oh, of course. But they're not going to host, I don't think, no, anymore. I, There's I no think chance they're going to host, is there? Well, I mean, I suppose if they, you know, <laughs> swept their last two series and, you know, ran through the SEC tournament, I mean, it, or something right, yeah, like that. Right, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, you like never say never. But but certainly they're on the outside looking in. I, mean, I think there's five teams very clearly ahead of them now in their conference. Look at this way they have they have one more conference win. They have a, their record is one game better than Tennessee in the league. That is unbelievable considering the way they started, the way Tennessee started. And you look at Tennessee, their main guys are not having good years. Brian Morgado, Domo Morgado, yeah. he, he's his ERA was over seven coming into the weekend. Is that right? Blake Forsythe hit about 240. Uh, let's put it this way: He's hitting about 200 points lower than Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> if you want to put How it, about in, that? You want to put it in context? He's hitting about 200 points later, lower than you know Yasmani. And they were, and they were scouts year last year, John, and, and the team with Team USA that liked Forsyth the better of those two. I and they were probably on the right track, but I mean, uh, it, it's amazing to me that LSU has won, has won two games in the last three weeks. Uh, it is amazing. But I guess where I was trying to go with this SEC thing, I'll be honest with you, Aaron. I think the SEC has a shot to get 10 bids this year. Oh, I'm not my. saying it, I'm not saying it deserves it, but when you're talking about the fact that two teams that are below Tennessee in the standings, and Tennessee's playing pretty well. Stephen McCray has given them a really nice veteran weekend presence right now. Morgado's an arm. They've got some bullpen. Stephen they, they, Groover. Yeah, they've got some offense. Uh, Todd Raleigh's they're kind of fighting for their lives over there, and to their credit, they're winning games. I think the, that's why I think Kentucky beating South Carolina this weekend raises the specter of 10 SEC teams getting bids. Because I don't see a huge separation between Tennessee, Kentucky, Alabama. Yeah. The RPI shows, about, in my mind, Tennessee's had a better, more consistent year than those two teams, especially Kentucky. They beat them head-to-head. I they believe did. it was at Kentucky. Tennessee is a better case than <clears throat> Kentucky. Right. But they're 20 spots behind them in the RPI. If you, have no, if you don't know enough, if you're ignorant, and you don't pay enough attention – and not, frankly, that describes most members of the committee. Yep. It's not malicious, but it's hard to get enough information. When you don't have enough information, you rely on the RPI. That's the information you do have. And the RPI is telling you that there's not much separation between those teams. And, in fact, Alabama and Kentucky might be better 
then you're going to take those teams. And yeah. I, I think it's setting up for a potential 10 SEC teams, which I think would be donkey. But I'm just throwing it out there. What, what, what say you? You know, if, if everything breaks the right way and none of the, you know, San Diego doesn't get upset, for instance. And it, right. Well, I mean, San Diego, there's no conference yeah. tournament over there. They're <clears> going to win their league, so forget that. But, um, you know, if, 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 if everything breaks right and none of the conference favorites that would be bubble teams, you know, like TCU, let's say. Let's say TCU wins its conference tournament. Correct. And, and that league is a two-bid league. You with know, New Mexico. With New Mexico as the second team or, or whatever. If everything goes the right way, maybe, uh, you know, certain other teams would have to drop off. I mean, I just think the committee would be really – I have to imagine they would be reluctant to I set that precedent. So. I would hope they'd be reluctant. They should have been reluctant in the first place to take a team that didn't make the conference tournament. Yeah. But the first year, I believe it was 2003, they took Florida when they didn't even make the conference tournament. SEC got nine bids. That was a precedent that they have not been able to back away from. But, like, right now the SOCON is shaping up as potentially a one-bid league, maybe yeah. two. Yeah, the Citadel. But Citadel's backing up. Charleston, Elon, Georgia Southern is a big cluster there of teams. You know, Elon maybe, I don't know if they cemented themselves, but they really helped their case they're by climbing. sweeping out state. They're climbing. They're they are climbing. The, they're a good team. They're into the 40s now in the RPI. They're not they're a great team, but they're a good team. Yep. I think they're an at-large team. I, I think that's a two-bid league. I think it could get three, but I don't think it's. I, I think they have three teams that are good enough. If all three of those teams them out, finish, if all three of those teams finish fairly well, I think that they're more likely to get three than the SEC is to get ten. I, I agree with you, but I think that there. I'm I'm starting to get worried that there might be ten SEC teams. That's nothing against the SEC, but I just don't think you should have a tournament where tenth place team or ninth place team, in my opinion, gets rewarded. Yeah. Speaking of that, let's touch really quick on the Atlantic Coast Conference, where the big uh, it's not in the top 25, but the big event of the weekend, the big series of the weekend, turns out to be, well, first, Boston College steals a game from Florida State. The Florida State does win the whole series. And then you have North Carolina that does what it needs to do yeah. and sweeps Wake Forest. First of all, that was incredibly necessary. Now, North Carolina is tied at 11-13 and 13 with NC State for the eighth and final spot in the conference That's tournament. Right. They win the tiebreaker because they won the head-to-head. Boston College is only a half game ahead of North Carolina and NC State. Um, what, what's your take on that? Is North Carolina, uh, I don't know if they're safe, but they've won 9 out of 10. They're starting to rally. They've won seven straight games. And now they've got to go play Virginia in Charlotte. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, what are the – I mean, the Tarles have obviously been to Omaha four straight years. Yeah. I don't – we didn't think they were an Omaha team coming into the year. But Matt Harvey has developed into a true ace. He's really gotten pretty darn good as this year goes on. Uh, Patrick Johnson's a nice Sunday starter, but he really wasn't a number two. Uh, but North Carolina completely devoid of right-handed power, although mm-hmm. Levi Michael started to get hot a little bit, which is big for their offense. How do they compare with BC and NC State? Two things. First, North Carolina against the top 25, one and nine. Goo! North Carolina against the RPI top 50, four and 11. That's not helping their case. If they're on the bubble... Those are the kind of numbers that put you on the wrong side. And if they don't make the ACC tournament, there's no way they're going to get an at-large bid with those numbers. I and, think you're right. And, frankly, NC State still has the easier road, slightly easier road in my opinion. Their RPI is much worse. Yes, and NC State is not going to get a bid. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're 66 in the RPI now. I just don't see it. I mean, they're 6-14 and 14 against the top 50. But those do include wins against – two wins against Georgia Tech, one yep. win against Miami, two, two wins against, against Virginia. Virginia. I mean, it's – They've got their that's, resume to me is more impressive than North Carolina's. They've got better quality wins. See, and that's the thing is they've played a lot of bad teams. There's no question about that. But where the RPI in my mind does a disservice is that that matters just as much yeah. as the fact that you that cancels out beating good teams. Yeah. I, I don't. 
think that is reality. I think that uh, you you know more to me about a team that uh, yes they were at home, but Virginia and Georgia Tech have gone on the road and beaten a lot of good teams. Yeah. And won series against a lot of good teams on the road, and they couldn't do it at NC State, which at its best, NC State has shown they can play with some of the best teams in the country. And to Absolutely. me, North Carolina has not shown that, or has not shown that to as great a degree. Their best series win is at Clemson. That's right. So, um, and and then I guess Boston College, there's not really a chance yeah. of them getting in that large bid. Is there? I mean, North Carolina really have to beat, have to not get swept by Virginia, and then have to win a home series against a very tough, battle-tested Virginia Tech team that has, you know, taken on all comers and won right. pretty much every series. Has won series against what? Georgia Tech, Florida State, Miami. I mean, and lost two out of three to Virginia, but played them head to head. You know, played them tough. So Virginia Tech's. Resume very strong. Now, BC, I think, has to play Georgia Tech coming up still. Um, you know, and UConn. The midweek gaming is UConn, which right. is not going to be easy. Right. So, I mean, I, you know, that's, that's a tough series. I think te- I think NC State has uh, – they've got Duke and Florida State, if I recall, left on the schedule. Uh, or I, th- I, I think believe that's, that's right. right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think that uh, out of those three teams, I do think that State, because the Duke series is winnable, um, whereas, you know, I think that the, I think the other two series for Carolina will be harder. And I don't expect BC to beat Georgia Tech. Um, you know, I think that that's how – I guess that's how it breaks down for me. I think State has the the inside track. Even though their um, RPI is a lot – Because I'm, isn't North I, I, the inside track the and I'm talking about the ACC tournament. Bit. Right. I think NC State has a shot. I, I still think even with their RPI down at 66, I still think they have a shot. If they win those – if they if they go 4-2 and two there – If they beat Florida State, I think that's what it comes down to. Right. If they weekend. win a game from Florida State and they go 4-2 and two and they're 15-15 and 15 in the league and they have an RPI in the 50-ish range – I don't think it'll be enough. 60-ish range? You don't think that'll look be at, enough? Look at what, I mean, Duke, to me, is the model. Duke last year had a couple of series wins like that. Uh, they won a series against North Carolina and, and somebody else who was really good last year that I forget. Uh, Duke had a couple of quality series right, wins, finished about 500 in the league, didn't get in because the RPI was too low. I think you're right. I think NC State is the Duke model. So now we're looking at the ACC as a potential seven-bid league. So uh, As max. opposed to eight. Right. I mean, that's if North Carolina gets into the conference tournament for right. me. Right. I mean, and, and BC, by the way, is four and seventeen against the top fifty. Yeah, not good. Not no, those are not good numbers. So where do you get sixty-four teams? I'm coming right back to. You have to tune in to tomorrow's stock report yeah, to find I'm, out. I'm coming right back though to your SEC ten teams being a potential. Uh, uh, I think the I think the SoCon has a chance to get three. I think the Sun Belt has a chance to get three, even though it's hard to figure out which three. Right. Uh, Florida Atlantic and, and Louisiana Lafayette right now look like the two safest bets in the Sun well, Belt. Western Kentucky backing up yeah, significantly. They're, they're I don't think they're going to get in. Uh, right now, I think it going. looks like South Alabama maybe is is a team that has some momentum, but I mean they're 58 in the RPI, so I mean I, I don't know. Two uh, two not locks, but two good bets, and then uh, throw a you know throw a rock in the air, you'll hit someone guilty. Yeah, uh, that, that's uh, that's your U2 quote of the day. Uh, th- last thing I want to note. Fresno State doing their usual end of the season. Okay, that. here we come. We we remember we're, we're Fresno State, uh, only a half game back now in the whack of New Mexico State. Now this league has a tournament still, correct? Unlike yes, the West Coast right. Conference, but New Mexico State gets swept by by Fresno. That's amazing. Is there an are any of those teams at large potentials there? No, didn't think so. Wanted to make sure. That's basically a one bid. That's a one conference. bid league. Yep. Welcome to the top twenty-five, Pittsburgh. How about that? First time, I believe, for the Pirates in the Aaron Fit administration. Anyway. Certainly in the Aaron Fit administration. I don't know that we've ever had the Pitt Panthers in. We'll have to ask Jim Schoenert. I'm sure they'll have that research for us at the end of the show. Dave Wanstead not even involved. Uh, so congratulations to Joe Leonard and uh, I forget the coach's name. Joe, Joe Giordano. Joe Giordano, not Joe Jordan. Joe Jordan is the scouting director for the 
Baltimore Orioles. But so Pitt, we have two Big East teams in the top 25. Three. Three big. UConn. Oh yeah, I forgot about how can I forget about UConn. So I think we think that's a three bid league as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, you know, Pitt to me, the reason that they're in and, and Liberty, for instance, is not, is that Pitt has won a series against Louisville, split a series with UConn. Those are two quality teams that they played, and they're you know tied for second, I believe, with Louisville, a half game behind. Or no, they're they're a full game behind UConn. Right. Uh, in in the Big East, I mean, it, Pitt's played pretty well. They've been consistent. Um, Liberty has a gaudy record and is playing well, is hot right now, but they haven't beaten any good teams yet. I if mean, only the rest of the Big South could, you know, beat somebody. But when you have two teams at the top of the league that are playing this weekend, yeah. and Liberty and uh, Coastal have a combined three losses in the league, all of them to Liberty, but Liberty's still 18-3 and three in the league. And you've seen Liberty. I mean, they're a solid team, but yeah. when they were on the field against Duke, that was pretty even, and Duke won both games. I, so, believe, I believe that's right. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were midweek games, but you know, no one's talking about Duke as an at-large team. Right. And Liberty, so I mean, there's a there, there's some things for them to overcome, I guess. But I think I mean, certainly if they you know if they have a good showing against Coastal Carolina, that series is at home for Liberty. Um, that's a real opportunity for them to make a statement. I don't expect that to happen though, because Coastal is really really good. Coastal is very very good. Speed, pitching, power, they've pitching. Got, they've got a little bit of everything. That's a uh, it was two years early on uh, on Coastal as my Omaha sleeper, but there's really nothing sleeper about them. Were they no. preseason number 12? I think that's right. So uh, Coastal Carolina definitely uh, getting it done. Before we go, I did want to read uh, Matthew's email to uh, on May 2nd to podcast at baseballamerica.com. And Matthew uh, just wanted to say, uh, long-time listener, first-time commenter, could not have enjoyed the discussion on this week's podcast regarding the fastball anymore. This is what sets BA apart from other sites. I can get the numbers anywhere but no one else is talking about the mechanics of baseball and such rewarding depth. I learned a lot, and I thank uh, you and J.J. Looking forward to picking up uh, the issue, and I'd love to see Baseball America do even more features on the technical side of pitching, hitting, fielding, etc. So regards Matthew Legrone uh, at the University of Delaware. So Matthew, on behalf of J.J. Cooper, also enjoyed your email. Thanks, and you can send those kind of emails in if you want to praise or criticize Aaron and my work here on the Just don't use the words bias or... uh Actually, now, now people are going to use them. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's right. But uh, if you have uh, email questions for us, podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address, or you can always go to Facebook, facebook.com backslash baseballamerica. Or you can follow Aaron Fit on Twitter. Twitter. It's at Aaron Fit on Twitter. That's right. Anything else, Aaron? I'm done, John. It's a good podcast. Yeah, and uh, quicker than uh, usual. But we'll wrap up the podcast by reminding you that when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarie just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free. Get the season started right. Visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash Demo House. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.